are now listening to Shy Sox Weekly, hosted by Tony Marchese and John Suarez. Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Shy Sox Weekly, episode 40, brought to you by OnCap Sports Network. My name is John Suarez, and I'm joined today by my other co-host, Tony Marchese. We're going to go Johnny Nani list, but Tony, how you doing today, man? Hey, man, it's a... Uh... It's the OG crew rolling in here, little uh, little throwback episode, if you will, uh, and episode forty. Pour a little forty out. Pour some out for your homie right now. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't have any forties. I was very unprepared. I do have some cans, so I'll crack them for you. I'm, I'm but, bottle um, only tonight. Bottle Thank, only guy tonight. Bottle only guy tonight. Thank you to the local Walmart for only carrying Cubs cans. I've been running into this problem everywhere, Jonda. Cubs cans everywhere, all over the south side. Um, I've got some people out there on Twitter, though, have helped me out find these White Sox cans of Budweiser. But I don't know. The Cubs cans can't do it. I've been on bottles for about two weeks now, and I did pick up this slick-looking cowboy hat at the Walmart. You can see it. The listeners will probably get to see it a little bit later. But I'm full Budweiser, full America. You've got the America shorts on tonight. It is America night on Chai Sox Weekly. Yeah, so a lot going on on Shy Sox Weekly. Obviously, American Night. Like I had mentioned before, uh, we're rolling Johnny Nani list. Johnny is at the Chicago Wolves playoff game right now, so he's probably having the time of his life because playoff hockey is like what you guys fucking live for. So, yep. <laughs> but enough hockey talk. Um, a lot's gone on since the last time that we spoke to you guys. The White Sox did just complete their 2019 MLB draft. So we're going to definitely cover that. We do have a guest lined up for you. We're going to have our ver- – it's like the OG OG Shy yeah. Sox Weekly crew. Very first guest that we ever had on Shy Sox Weekly is uh, Clinton Cole. He's going to come on, and he's going to talk a little bit of, uh, you know, the minor leagues and the draft for the White Sox, and he's from Future Sox. So, yeah. ooh, already got the burps going. It's going to be a long one. But, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the last week that the White Sox had. We uh, The last time we spoke – was going into that Indian series, which the Sox played fucking amazing in. So they did, they did. They, uh, you know, give them credit, man. It was uh, not exactly what we expected. I know we talked about it a little bit, but uh, best moment of that one was just uh, getting out to the ballpark on Sunday. It uh, was my cousin's twenty-first birthday. Got to spend the his birthday with him at the ballpark. Throw a few back. I brought him down to the one hundred eight. Uh, which is something that he asked me to do like maybe two years ago. And he's like, hey, can you bring me to 108 for my birthday? And I didn't think it was actually going to line up, and I actually got to bring him down there. So not really White Sox topic, but um, they played well that game too. Um, Tim Anderson uh, kind of showed up in that game, and Lucas Giolito. I know we're not allowed to talk about him, Jonda. Uh, pitched not excellent. in a good way. Yeah, no, we're not allowed to talk about Lucas Giolito in a good way. It might might ruffle some feathers. I think people... People get a little upset when we talk about Lucas Giolito in a positive light. Uh, but what I mean, what did you think of that series, man? It was it was a good series. Yeah, no, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, the Sox ended up pulling three games out of four. I know we were kind of split between the three of us on like a two to two split. Uh, Jason Kipnis is a bitch. He had some choice words to say about the White Sox and how that were, he, what I don't remember exactly what he said, but he basically said that you know we're playing like crap because we don't have everybody and they're playing the best baseball that they could possibly play and we have the same record. So perspective. So Jason Kipnis, I'm going to put 
your life into perspective. You're washed up. You played like shit the whole series, so you had no room to talk. But, yeah, like I had said, the Sox ended up winning not only a Manny Banuelo start, but they also won a Dylan Covey start in that series. So that was impressive. Well, what did I say when we were talking about this preview was you're going to win that Lucas Giolito game, and all you needed was one win out of Dylan Covey or Manny Banuelos in the front two to get to three wins here. And they ended up pulling out wins in those first two games of the series. I was really happy with that. Offense, man. The offense has been winning these ball games. The pitching has been decent enough to get them across to where they need to be. And, you know, they looked really good. And I, I always go back to this. This is something I, f- I feel like we need to hammer even more is what you've always said. Beat your divisional opponents. And that's what the White Sox did because they came off, beat the Royals, beat the Indians. Things looked good uh, over the weekend. Yeah, over the weekend. Things did look good. So moving <laughs> on to where we are today. Today is Wednesday evening. The Sox just wrapped up a little two-game stint in Washington, and they technically got swept by the Nationals. Doesn't sound good to say, but the Sox dropped two out of two games to the Nationals. Um, we talk a little bit about yesterday's game, which was an absolute heartbreaker. Uh, it was a Ronaldo Lopez versus Steven Strasburg game. Uh, most of you already know this, so I won't go too far into depth. But what I do know is that that money line opened up at plus 234, which means that if you put $20 down, I, which is what I did, I put $20 down, it would have paid out to like 53 something. It was like $54. So it was a, little, a quick little come up. Big, better guy. Big, better guy. Get muted on Twitter about it. But basically what happened was the Sox took a 5 nothing lead and Reynaldo Lopez proved that he does not belong starting at the major league level right now he clearly has some work to do and the Sox ended up blowing the five nothing lead they dropped the game nine to five it was not fun to watch that one play out so we'll talk a little bit about that if you want Tone. so Reynaldo Lopez what did I say last year Jonda you said that I honestly don't remember because, like we said, this is episode 40. We've said a lot of shit, and we've gone back on a lot of stuff that we've said, like Lucas Giolito. So hey, you probably said that he's not never, a starter. You probably said he's a bullpen guy. If exactly I had to what I said. Never back okay. down. Never back down, Jonda. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, bullpen guy. And I think there's one other guy out there on Twitter who agrees with me, and that's one of our good friends, uh, Mr. Beeflo from the 108. Um, he's been pretty vocal about uh, Reynaldo Lopez not being a starter and being an excellent reliever. And one of the things about Reynaldo Lopez that I think really comes into play here, and I think he could be that Andrew Miller type because his first two times through the order right now look pretty pretty decent. So when he gets to that third time through, you know, that fifth, sixth inning, it's a problem. He's got the stuff to be a reliever and a wipeout reliever, even a closer. And, you know, it's unfortunate right now that the Sox don't have enough talent in their rotation to even try him out in that position because we've got all these young relievers and then we've got some pretty solid bullpen back-end pieces. Colome, I know he got lit up a little bit today. It wasn't really a save situation, but, you know, it happens. But other than today, man, Colome's looked excellent. Aaron Bummer's looked excellent. Evan Marshall's looked excellent. The need is at the rotation right now. I'm hoping that in two, three years, the need isn't in the rotation. Reynaldo Lopez has his stuff. That's not the question. The question is how long can he go? And I feel like if he only had one or two innings to get through, this guy can use a little bit more to get a little extra velocity, 
a little bit, you know, I don't know what the word is that I'm searching for here. A little oomph. Yeah, a little more oomph into what he's doing out there, and I think that he can really excel. I'd want to see it happen. Uh, I don't think the Sox are going to try that out this year. I, I really don't. Uh, I think they're going to keep trotting him back out there just due to lack of options. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. So speaking of lack of options, Dylan Cease keeps lighting up AAA, but it gets to the point where when you call him up, which of the three shitty guys that belong in the bullpen are you going to replace in the rotation? Banuelos would probably be the odd one out. You know, Reynaldo Lopez is still a young guy. The Sox, while they are starting to win more games, they're not necessarily trying to win right now. You know, you heard Rick Renteria doesn't pay attention to the record, probably fucking should, making people bunt the lead AL base stealer over in the bottom in the top of the ninth in a deciding game that your team just fought all the way back in, which we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, there, like you said, there's a lot of bullpen guys that are starting for the White Sox right now. Dylan Covey is definitely meant to be a long-term reliever. Manny Banuelos has been a bullpen guy basically his whole career. I mean, the first Sox start that he made was his first start since like 2012. You know, I was a fucking sophomore in high school in 2012, so <laughs> ages ago. So you know, I think um, I think like you said though, it's going to be Banuelos. It has to be. He's got to be the odd one out. But you know, there's been a lot of murmurs that Dylan Cease will be up sometime next week, which I at this point don't see happening, just because that's so White Sox. Doesn't but, it feel too good to be true though? Like I 100%. was, I was having this conversation with a few different people. And it just seems like everybody and their their mother and their second cousin has heard that Dylan Cease is coming next week. Is this? I mean, you go look at Twitter and everybody knows that Dylan Cease is coming up. This seems like one of those types of rumors that get started um, just to just get everybody excited for something that isn't going to happen, a la the Manny Machado rumors. But, uh, yeah, right. you know, we've been treated to so many of these at this point in time. The more I hear about it, the less I believe it. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, it would be nice because I do have tickets to next Monday's game against the Nationals. Hopefully we can get a little payback in that game. But, yeah, um, the Sox just, they look really inconsistent, which is what we've kind of been talking about all season. And starting pitching is going to be the beginning of that because not only did the Sox score five runs yesterday, I'm pretty sure they scored like four runs today and they still lost. Well, yeah, the offense hasn't been the problem. Yoan Makata looked really good this series uh, at the plate. I mean, he crushed crushed that ball yesterday. Um, yeah, his biceps bigger than my fucking head. So. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous watching him bat. It's especially left handed. I mean, the guy is just unreal, and it's such a turnaround from last year. But you know, it's it's really not the offense. I'm not worried about this offense, even with some of the crap lineups that Ricky Renteria has put out, and we could debate that all day. But even with some of these these lineups with Yonder Alonso and some some just dead weight in here, we're still able to produce pretty decent amount of runs uh, throughout the season so far. It's really on that that pitching, and if the pitching is there for the day, the Sox are pretty good. They're in a pretty good position to win. If they're not, then you know it's it's games like we saw today, man, and it's games like we saw yesterday. I mean, you you got a noise complaint yesterday. <laughs> yeah, wait, no, we was. didn't even talk about that. So, like I had said, I put twenty dollars on the Sox to win fifty three dollars. You know, 
pennies on the dollar. It's uh, 20 bucks is 20 bucks. It is what it is. Like, that's not what I was upset about. I was more so upset about the fact that the Sox blew a fucking five-run lead in a game that I had bet on them that the payout was, like, so decent. Like, to bet $20 and win 53, that's basically $73 in your pocket right there. Like, I'll fucking take that for one baseball game. So, honestly, I was thinking about throwing, like, a whole 50-piece down on them, which I probably would have punched a hole in my fucking wall if that were the case. But basically what had happened was Anthony Rendon hit a three-run shot when it was 5-3 to to put the Nationals ahead of the Sox 6-5, to and I was not happy. So I got up, I screamed expletives throughout my apartment, and, you know, I went into my bathroom because my girlfriend was at my house, and, you know, I don't want to seem like too much of a psychopath. So I, like, slammed my bathroom door shut. And I fucking sat there and just basically, like, I don't even remember what I did. I think I just sat on my toilet and pouted like a little fucking kid. So I come back into took my a bathroom family. Break. Yeah, took, took, took a shy sock down to bathroom break. So I come back into my family room and my phone lights up and I look at it and it's a text from my landlord <laughs> from my apartment. And the text literally exactly read, hold on one second, I'm pulling it up. Give me, Give me one second. He said, is everything okay? One of the tenants just called me and was concerned about the noises coming from your apartment. <laughs> like, I literally said, no, everything's not fucking okay. R- Ricky Renteria doesn't know how to manage his bullpen. <laughs> that was my response. You should have just sent him back a picture of Ricky Renteria. I, th- I think that would have been perfect. Just a picture of Rick Renteria in the dugout, and then that, that should have explained it all. So, I mean, regardless, um, the Sox finally ended up going to the bullpen when it was a little bit too late. The Nationals had scored six runs. And then Josh, o- eh, Josh Osich, actually say that ten times fast. That's a fucking tongue twister. Josh Osich came in and just absolutely blew the game up, gave up three more runs. And it was, I mean, regardless of how shitty the Nationals bullpen may be, they did kind of fuck the game up today for them. They, The Sox didn't have it in them. You know, they were depleted at that point. They got caught looking, like, twice after that happened. Like, people kept going down swinging. And you're facing guys with, like, five ERAs in the bullpen. Not a good look. So No, not at all. The Sox beat themselves yesterday. And, honestly, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. I worked all day today, so I haven't even really caught up on how the Sox lost. I just know that Rick Renteria had Tim Anderson on first with nobody out in the top of the ninth and decided to try and bunt him over, which turned into a double play, opposed to letting him try and steal the base for the first two, three pitches of the at-bat, which he probably would have had a decent success rate on based off of how shitty Kurt Suzuki is at nailing runners. So not happy about that. We could ba- we could sit here and you know debate it all we want, but Rick Renteria... Kind of fucked over the Sox. They could be a game over 500 right now, and instead they're like three games under 500. You know, the Sox could be like five games over right now if it wasn't for some you of these put losses, Michael dude. Brantley on the fucking Sox, and the Sox are sitting pretty, man. Dude, there's a lot of people who you could just put on the White Sox, and the Sox are sitting pretty right now. It, it this goes back to one thing that I hope I've kind of formulated in my mind is while we've seen the fruits of the labor of the rebuild kind of this year, you know, you've got Anderson, Moncada, Eloy's up. Uh, that's a whole nother subject. Giolito's turned it around. You've got some of these young guys up They're They're creating wins for the White Sox. But then there's games like today and yesterday that are easily winnable games. 
And the difference between a really good team and a team that's still trying to figure it out are games like this national series. When the Sox are good and are going to be a contender, they're going to win games like this. When they go up five runs in the beginning of a game, they're going to be able to shut their opponent down and not give up stupid runs in the, in, in the late innings. When the Sox are good, they're going to be able to come back in games like this and actually win them. These were This was a very winnable series, in my opinion. Sweepable is, series. Yeah, very sweepable series. This, not only... Is it this series? There's been plenty of times this year. Earlier when we were talking about the Ricky's boys don't quit bullshit, a lot of that stuff all stems from the fact of this team is still learning how to win. They're not quite there yet. It's going to be frustrating. It's going to probably take another year or two before they figure this out. And let's hope that by that time they've supplemented this young talent with, with other players who can actually you know, put them over the hump. Because right now what you're seeing is those growing pains. Yeah, and I mean, there is something I do want to briefly address. You know, Sox Twitter is very quick to be like, well, why don't you call Danny Mendick up or why can't you call Pelka back up to get more rips? And to be honest, like, I am okay with the lineup that the, like, the form of the lineup that the Sox have. If you want to swap Mendick for Rondon, do what you got to do. But I would rather see Mendick get his everyday plate opportunities in AAA opposed to bringing him up to play every four days at the MLB level because he's not going to get playing time like that. Well, do you, you, know, think, the that, do you think that he's an upgrade over Yelmer Sanchez? Honestly, as of right this moment, no, because Yelmer has been one of the hottest bats on the Sox the last week or two. Yeah, exactly. So it's like people and people have to realize that that six and one stretch wasn't a fluke. You know, that's the, so- the these guys have chemistry. They do. So these you can't just go and mix up a team halfway through the year and be like, oh, well, these guys can win. These guys are better. They can win because, no, you're going you're gonna to start – these guys are just learning to play with each other. The Tilsons, the Cordells, you know, Eloy's starting to actually produce. And, you know, Mankata, Timmy, it's nice to see those guys turn the corner and have potential all-star seasons. You know, it's nice to have pleasant surprises like a James McCann or a Lucas Giolito having quite possibly the greatest turnaround we've ever seen. So I want people to understand that – Coming into this year, nobody had playoff expectations, so they kind of need to tamper those playoff expectations that they had provided us over the last week or so by being 6-1, and one, and they just kind of need to ride this wave and just understand you know, what the front office is doing. Maybe don't understand what Rick Renteria is doing, because I don't think we fucking understand that shit, <laughs> but understand that the lineup that the White Sox have at the Major League level is probably the best lineup that they can produce it's just a matter of getting your manager to not bat Wellington Castillo or Yonder Alonso fourth. Well, I think you make a good point. It's the best lineup that they can produce. It might not be the best lineup batting order-wise. I don't think anybody – well, this is White Sox Twitter we're talking to. Um, so maybe I, I need to rephrase what I'm about to say here. I don't think anybody really thinks that Danny Mendick is going to come in and be the savior of this team. You'd be you'd be surprised with some of the fucking tweets I've seen. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean, we've got a, we've got people calling. Here's for a dude Escobar. that's like 27 and in his like eighth year of the minor leagues, just now scraping like 260, but he has power numbers. So they're like, oh shit, call him up. He's got 15 doubles. Yeah, well, I think this is just the fact that we've been we've been treated to so many losing seasons in a row, John. That 
People they want are to see tired. They just want to like see it. something new. They constantly we, we 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 as White Sox fans constantly want to see what's new, what's shiny, and we don't get a lot of new shiny. We get a lot of the same old Nate Jones type guys. You know, it's it's the same thing every year that the White Sox try. I mean, um, I love Johnny Nani calls it the White Sox reliever recycling program. You know that that same train with the Juan Manaya, the you know um, who was it last year. Um, Caleb Fryer, yeah, all these same guys. Um, you know, Bummer was on it until he figured it out. Um, but you know, yeah. it's the same thing over and over again. And I think, I think early this year, with how bad Yomer started out, it, it, he wore his welcome out so fast because people are just sick of losing. And this is year three on the rebuild. People are just done with it. They want to see wins. Um, and of course it's always been more exciting down on the farm. And I think that's a pretty decent transition point to get our guy, Clinton Cole from future Sox on here. So we could talk a little farm baseball and what the white Sox did in the draft. What do you think? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I definitely want to talk about the minor league team. Cause if we keep talking about the white Sox, I'll probably have a couple bald spots here pretty soon. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I love Tabasco sauce and we'll be back. And we're back on episode 40 of Shy Sox Weekly with our very first guest that we ever had on on Shy Sox Weekly. He's going to come on to talk a little draft, and we're going to do some minor league roundups. So Clinton Cole from Future Sox, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing good. I didn't realize uh, I was your first uh, guest. I think last the first was it the first time we talked? Was it after the draft last year? No. There. no. Well, it was. No, it might have been a little bit before. I think that was his second appearance. I think the first one was late April. Okay, because I remember getting on and bitching about Nick Madrigal. So, yeah, um, yes, yes, I you didn't did know do if that. That was the first one, or yeah, I didn't know if that was the first one or the second one. So, but you're anyways, definitely yeah, yeah. now that Johnny is a host, you're definitely the most appeared guest because I think this is what your fourth appearance on Shy Sox Weekly. It is. Uh, I mean, at least four, I'd say. Is, are you sure it's four? It might be even more. I don't even know. Potentially five. Definitely at least four. Absolutely. You know, every time he comes on here, let's just make it a habit to not know how many times he's been on this show. Sounds good. That's a good and a bad thing. Yeah. So so last <laughs> last time I remember talking to you on this show, you were you were trying the uh, a new diet. I think it was I – can't, I can't remember the name of it. How's that diet going for you? That was uh, – that was like was it the keto yeah was, it was keto was in december or beginning of january right mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was, it was an off-season was episode after, for sure it was after the bears game i remember that yuck um yeah so that lasted about a week and i got really sick um, oh, shit. and so i chose not to do that anymore <laughs> um but no i i've uh my diet is uh i don't know hanging in there i suppose well, I've been running after work every day and stuff like that, but I'm also about to eat a frozen pizza, so, you know. Yes. You win some, you lose some. That's yeah, what I was right. going to ask. I was going to ask, have you had any good frozen pizza lately? Yeah, so so here's the thing. Um, this is actually a Meyer brand frozen pizza. Um, it's not the greatest, um, but it's not the worst. And I've also – I also had tried a gluten-free one a couple weeks ago, and surprisingly, it tastes no different than a regular one, so – um, I don't know really know where to go with that. So which but, uh, it, I gotta I gotta give you a timeout right here. Which gluten free frozen sure. pizza did you try? Is it the cauliflower crust one? Because I found a frozen pizza with the cauliflower crust and it is absolutely phenomenal. Really? I've tried that one. That one's really good. Uh, I've actually that was a little loud. This one is called Sonoma Flatbreads. Um, 
Yeah, that one's that's what that one's called. And then there's also a home run in pizza one here in my uh, not gluten free, of course. There's also home run in pizza in my uh, fridge too. So you had mentioned that you got your frozen pizza from Myers. So I just kind of want to plug this little story in from I I was it was probably like five years ago. I was chilling with a couple of my coworkers at my like job that I worked at in high school, and we were going to try and buy beer at like one in the morning. And I like I was in like I don't know they lived like two towns over for me so I wasn't very familiar with like the liquor situation in their area so I was like well where could we get beer this late and this dude kept saying major he kept saying major and I was like major is that like major liquor store is that like a he drives us to the fucking Meyer my dude lived his whole <laughs> life thinking that Meyer was pronounced you major it was major major yes funniest shit ever That's incredible. but all right. Continuing on, <laughs> just wanted to plug That's that incredible. real quick. Wow, I didn't know that was a thing. I, I was as dumbfounded as you are right now in the backseat of the car. Like you legit thought this shit was called major. Wow, that's cool. <laughs> you know, now that I'm thinking about Meyer, you know how they got that little like robot horse right in the front, John. You know what I'm talking about yes. at the end of the checkout yes. line. I think I 100%. need to go get on that horse right now. Yeah, so Clinton, you can't see Tony right now, but he is wearing some like America shades and like a Budweiser cowboy hat. Um, for what? <laughs> for fun? Just for fun? But yeah, it's just, just for fun. Tony. John has got John has got some Ameri- America shorts on. I've got the I've got the cowboy hat. That that'll work. Yeah. I'm wearing a I don't know what I'm wearing. People's Brewing Company T-shirt. So, you know, we all we all wear what we wear. Um, I think that I know it's kind of a, a segue, and I know. The uh, first, I, I know we're going to talk draft, but you know this this White Sox season, as you guys know, has just been like I, I don't know what to do with myself. Like I don't know, I you know there's like a week that goes by, and it's like oh my gosh, this team is going to win 85 games or something, and then there's another week that goes by, and they're like they might win 60 games. Like I, I don't know what to do. So we've kind of likened this to being on a roller coaster. Uh, okay. There's highs, there's lows, there's points in the middle somewhere where things are kind of calm and smooth. And then there's really rocky moments where you just don't know what to do with yourself. We're in one of those rocky moments right now, especially after this series. We kind of just talked a little bit about it uh, before you came on. But, I mean, these past two games, like you question everything. You literally can question everything. And I don't know how you feel on that. I know you kind of now just opened up this door again. Um, I know, John, right before you came on, it said, you know, if I have to keep talking about this White Sox team, I might be bald. Um, maybe let's let's make John to bald before we even get to the the minors and draft stuff. Let's talk a little bit more about your take on on what's going on here. <sighs> okay, well, obviously, so when we when we talked in December or January, I told you that Moncada and Rodon would you know they'd have great seasons. Well, Rodon was fine until he broke his arm again. Uh, but Moncada has just been, I mean, he's he's been what he's supposed to. Be. And between him and Tim Anderson, that left side of the infield is set for I don't know what their contracts are, but you know. Well, at least five years, four years, five you know, the years. Next, the next half a decade or whatever. And my best friend, Nick Madrigal, in there on second base. <laughs> and who we're going to talk about, um, you know, a little bit Andrew Vaughn maybe at first or Gavin Sheets at first. I mean, that infield is just that, – that's a really, really good infield, you know, in the future. But anyway, for right now, I think with Moncada and Anderson and then obviously Giolito, there is – there are times when it's like you just forget about the play of Yolmer Sanchez and Wellington Castillo and how much he sucks. It's just like some of these other guys that are just like, why are these people in the major leagues? It's just very, it's very difficult at times to be objectionable and reasonable with this team because like you said, it's a roller coaster. Some nights you think, 
you know, they're, I guess there's no nights when you think they're going to beat anyone, but you know, there, there's some nights when you feel like this team really has a fighting chance. Well, at least I do. They have a fighting chance at the wild card. And there's other times where it's like, are the Royals better than this team? I don't really know. So it's, it's frustrating. It's very, very frustrating. I think that's a, a nice way to put it. Um, they clearly don't have the depth, which is what they need, and which is why all these prospects are so important. They just don't have depth. When, when Castillo plays, he's hitting, I don't know what is he hitting, a buck 40? It's not really what he's hitting, but it's, it's just awful. And you've got some of these other guys, you know, you've got three, four, and five in the pitching rotation, who it will be Dylan Cease and, you know, hopefully Dane Dunning and, and, and Carlos Rodon next year eventually. I mean, those those three are, are much better than than Nova Lopez is at times is good, and then I mean Manny Benuelos. Like this is so it's so awful. It's just a it's a tragedy at, at sometimes, and at the other times, you know, you think they can, you know, they're gonna vie for a wild card spot. Yeah, so I had like a flaming hot take that I dropped into Tone's text messages like a week or two ago because we were talking about how this team's really just like one starter next year away from making a push you know you're gonna get Kopech back and he's gonna have like an extended rehab on his Tommy John because he's probably not gonna come back this year so he's gonna get a whole offseason being healthy he's gonna get a whole spring training being healthy so he should be ready opening day to be a, a, on the major league roster so you got him if Giolito keeps pitching this well you got Giolito you know hopefully they can get Cease up sooner rather than later and he produces like we expect him to that's three spots spoken for you know you got Ivan Nova in that four spot, unfortunately, because he's on contract through next year. And you're so, paying him a fuck ton of money. And you're paying him a fuck ton, so you have to play him. It's kind of like a James Shields 2.0 situation. So it comes up to that fifth spot, and I kind of basically told him, you know, Dane Dunning has the same type of, of like, a timetable to return that Michael Kopech does. Who's to say that he doesn't show the fuck out in spring training with a little added velocity to his fastball and whatnot based off of what Tommy John's history has done. You know, that surgery, some guys come back throwing harder than they did before. If that happens with Michael Kopech, pray for the league. But, you know, who's to say that that guy can't be our fifth starter next year? Who's to say that the Sox can't go out and grab someone to be, you know, the Sox are very close to contending, and we're seeing it right now, especially with how the offense is producing. I was just talking with Tony, you know, we got five runs two days ago and four runs today and two losses to show for it. Not a lot of teams out there can say that they average four or five runs a game and are losing more than they're winning. Uh, so Rick Hahn told me in Sox, I've told you guys this, um, but he told me that, you know, Dane Dunning would have been their fifth starter coming out of spring training this year. So 100%. There's absolutely, no reason to think, there's absolutely no reason to think that. Well, if he wouldn't have been hurt last year. So there's absolutely no reason to think that as long as his rehab goes okay, that he can't be that fifth starter out of spring training next year. So you've got Kopech, Dunning, and Cease to go along with Giolito. And I don't I don't think they're going to keep Nova. Um, I, I don't think that's going to – I don't care how much they owe him. I, this team – I just don't think if, – if they're serious about winning, they're not – he's not going to be in the rotation. Um, you know, hopefully that's that's Ronaldo Lopez. So I don't think, you know, maybe you, you throw him in the bullpen. I don't know what you do with him. But I don't think that um, – I don't think the money matters if it's really time to compete. I also think Michael Kopech's going to want to try and come back this year if they're, if they're close, which is going to be – I said that at the beginning of the year just because I, I know how he is. and I can see him in September. Like, oh, absolutely. And um, he's, he's ahead of schedule. He's been ahead of schedule this entire time. So I, I don't know. That would be – wouldn't that be a shot in the arm? Wouldn't that be something else? Um, but, uh, yeah, this team is – they're not far. People are always are clamoring about Garrett Cole and this and that. And, you know – 
hopefully we don't need Garrett Cole. Yeah, I know that that's the, such a stupid thing to say, but hopefully we don't need Garrett Cole. You know, if all goes well, this team is not going to need a Garrett Cole. You know, it'll be nice to have one to to put them over the hump, but they won't need a Garrett Cole like the Cubs needed John Lester. Well, Clint, yeah. that's that's an interesting that's an interesting take. I like it because you do see a ton of talent in this in this rebuild, all homegrown. Uh, whether it's acquired via trade, drafted, signed internationally, you can you can legitimately fill out a roster of players that could be on the 2021-2022 starting lineup for the White Sox without acquiring anybody. But do you actually really believe in your heart of hearts that this team isn't going to need a major free agent signing to get into a deep playoff run? Well, think about it. So you've got guys that, when I name when I name these starters, you've got you got Giolito, you've got Kopech, you've got Cease. So those three, you know, those three are there, right? As, as what Giolito's done this year, you can throw them in at those other two. Rodon is a question mark. Lopez is a question mark, and we don't know about Dane Dunning. So there's three more. So that's six guys right there for you. You think about um, we, we talk about you know not everyone panning out. That's your that's your Alec Hansen right there. That dude's a disaster. Zach Birdie. Ian Hamilton, Lord knows what's happened to them. So, those, you know, when I name these guys, it's not like I'm having everybody pan out because those are three other guys that I just named that are like that everyone thought were going to be part of this when, you know, when they got good. And they're nowhere to be found. So uh, it's not – okay, when I say they don't need a Garrett Cole, of course any team in their right mind would take a Garrett Cole. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm saying was, you know, as long as this goes as it's supposed to go, and I those guys I named, it's not that far fetched to think that they may not need a Garrett Cole. Is all I guess is all I'm saying. Fair enough, and I mean even the Sox just lit up Garrett Cole a couple weeks ago, which was nice. Right, but... exactly. So I, I just said that because he's the the biggest name coming out. Yeah, you know? no, you're not wrong. Yeah. So, well, do you think we're going to go through the same thing we did last year with Manny Machado rumors? Is Garrett Cole the 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 next the sequel uh, next off season? I uh, think it'll be Anthony Rendon. I mean, I don't. Do you guys really want Anthony Rendon? I, I don't. I, I mean, don't want. I don't want anybody. After this series, I I would take him. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Well, I, don't yeah, I mean, I don't really want anybody okay, displacing Yohan so, Moncada. I don't want to move him back to second base. I think he looks good. Right, so there. where's where's Rendon playing? He's going to DH and get rid of Abreu? Like I don't. No, I don't know. Abreu just going to play first. Like I don't know. At that point, that you're right. I wouldn't really want Rendon, but. I don't think you it's know, a matter of want. I think it's a matter of need. I don't think it's a matter of him. getting Yonder Alonso as far away from the White Sox as possible. Well, I mean that. But bring... hopefully, taking his place is Zach Collins, though. You know, like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that goes into what we have in the pipeline. I mean, there's yeah, an so easy successor that we could see by the end of this year. I think. So, for, for so speaking Alonso. of the pipeline, we actually haven't even mentioned it yet, but Sabi Zavala got his first little uh, cup of coffee in the big leagues, right. and you know, you were one of the guys that introduced us essentially to Sabi Zavala, and we kind of formed the Sabi Zavala train together. So let's kind of let's reflect here on how awesome it was to be able to see him not only get his first major league hit, but to see him get his first little taste. Do you think if he comes back up, Sabi can succeed at the major league level? I don't see why not. I mean, I don't, you know, I was watching, let's see. So I was, uh, Friday night when he got his first hit, my friend Colin, uh, Colin Arnold and I were, were sitting in the one, one away with the guys and talking to, to B float and, and everybody. And it was just like, he was, said he was just overmatched, you know? And I think at, at the plate, you know, the defense is fine, but 
it seemed like he was just a little overmatched. So I think, you know, with James McCann being how good he's been, that's been such a godsend to this team because now they don't have to worry about rushing Zach or rushing Sebi because, you know, God forbid, you could throw Wellington Castillo in there every four or five days, and that's whatever. But if, if James McCann would have sucked too, then you've got two catches that sucked, and there would have been a lot more pressure on Sebi and Zach. And now those two guys don't have that big of pressure this year, and they can just take their time and develop. So I think that's I think that's going to be great, and Sebi's going to have more more work down there. And it's just I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what he's going to become. I mean, he hit a home run again. To, he hit a home run tonight. So. Um, Awesome. You know, it, we know we know what he can do in Triple A. It's a matter of it trained later. Do you think that they gave him a fair shake up here in his in his first stint? Because we only got to see him, you know, pinch hitting that one game. He got I think two starts. Um, the 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 first start was an over showing uh, on the heels of a strikeout Golden to end sombrero. the game. Yeah, it was it was not. It didn't look good. He also made a throwing right. error, and then you kind of saw him get that second start. And they kind of Ricky kind of mentioned that he was going to lean heavy on James McCann um, through that stretch, but I, I feel like they should have gave him a little bit more of an opportunity for a showing here. It was almost as if they put him in a role where uh, they weren't going to use him very much, and this was kind of just a a replacement role rather than a tryout to replace Wellington Castillo because there was no chance for him to even even replace Wellington Castillo given the amount of time he saw on the ball field. He could have gone fucking ten for ten. I don't even. I think he had like ten at, at bats. He might have had like eight or nine. He could have literally gone ten for ten and hit for the cycle each game, and they still would have sent his ass back down to Triple A because they knew Wellington Castillo. They were still gonna put his one sixty batting average right back in that four spot. Yeah, I mean, you guys aren't wrong, but what, what are you gonna do with Castillo? Though? I mean, that's the same with Yonder. Like, you can't just get. I mean. Technically, you can just get rid of them. But it's I was going to say, at this point, game. you can like, definitely DFA him. I was, yeah, I right. think I think Wellington Castillo is one of those guys you could DFA. I've written my blog on why you can't DFA Yonder Alonso right now. But what has Wellington Castillo done for this team besides get popped for steroids, hit home runs in you know a, f- a few games where the situation doesn't really matter? Besides today, um, he hasn't been great defensively behind the plate. You don't hear pitchers raving about Wellington Castillo and how he handles them. Um, I, th- I feel like he, if there's one guy who's the most easily DFAable on this White Sox team right now, it's it's Wellington Castillo. It has to be because, you know, Alonzo's yeah. still on contract through next year, so that's more money that you're getting rid of, especially if you DFA a guy. Wellington Castillo's already basically played his whole contract out at this point. He's got, what, three months left? Like, goodbye. I, I mean, that's, I wish they would, but you know they're not going to, so... One can only hope, Clint. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm the leader of get rid of Yolmer, and I don't even like Larry Garcia. I know he's been playing well. I'm a, I'm a fan of getting rid of everyone, but you know, it's just not going to happen because that's just not how that's just not how things go, unfortunately. Um, yeah, the overall feeling for this team is, you know, if this team had Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech on this team, it's the playoff team right now. It's crazy to say that, but and I only say that because of how bad the rest of the, the league is, really. And, you know, they're, they're beating up on teams in the AL Central, which is exactly what they should do because that's been happening to us the last 18 years. So um, it's finally their time to, to do this. And, you know, they're just going to get better and better. But, man, it's it's tough to say that they're going to make the playoffs this year because as – okay, let's say this. As currently constructed, there's no way. You know, if, if Cease comes up and takes the spot of Benuelos or one of these other guys that sucks every five days, that's a different story. Um 
I don't know. Let me ask you guys this. So let's say trade deadline comes up. They're tied for the wild card spot. What are they doing? Are they buying or are they selling? Are they standing pat? At this point, you have to buy, especially with, like, if you're trying to compete next year, you can't go and sell Alex Colome. You have to keep him around with how fucking lights out he's been, 14 for 14 and save opportunities. Like, there's not really much else you can sell at that point. You could sell broken Carlos Rodon's last year of his contract. No one's going to buy that. You can sell Yonder Alonso. No one's going to buy him. You know, all those sellable pieces are not looking very sellable now. So somebody, it's either it's either you're buying or you're staying the fuck put. Did somebody say, would take Lure Garcia. I was going to say Lure Garcia or Yomer Sanchez, but you're not going to get anything back that's really worth, like, major. The only thing you're going to do with that is open up a roster spot. You're just going to get, like, another Ryan Cordell that you're not even going to be able to give a tryout for, like, a year or two you, down the road. But you're, you're most, you're, I, th- I think your most valuable assets are your minor leaguers, right? But I don't think we're in a position to completely sell the farm to go compete. So are you going to no way they're doing that now? Are you, yeah, you're not going to go and do that. That's two or three years away, I think. Um, but I think that those are the most valuable pieces in the organization. Your Nick Madrigal. You your, think you think you think um, you think a team wouldn't want Aaron Bummer? Like, but why are you going to go and get well? Yeah, get rid of someone. Thing. That's what I'm saying. Here's the yeah. same thing: is Alex Calame about... is so valuable this trade deadline. Alex Calame is probably your most valuable. But do you really want to get rid of him? Next year is when you're going to go for a run. Wouldn't you want that guy? Because you're going to have to go acquire him. You're going to have to go acquire another Alex Calame in, in 2020 if you're going to make a wild card run. Here's, here's the thing. Remember Sergio Santos, how good of a season he had, and then Addison Reed and how great they were. And all these guys, closers are a dime a dozen, though. That, that's the thing. Like When Sergio Santos had that great year out of nowhere, it was just like, holy shit, you know? And then, poof, gone, done. Addison Reed, you know, they got Matt Davidson, which – I don't know, neither here nor there. And then Addison Reed, he's what he get didn't he get DFA'd this year? Like I mean there's so many guys, so many arms that are are potential back of the bullpen guys. Like there are so few like elite closers. And now like closers aren't even they're not back to back like closers aren't what closers used to be, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah, no, growing up yeah. you got guys like Mariano Rivera and like even like well, Bobby I mean, James even, like, even locked down. As of late, like Kelsey Jansen, like for the Dodgers, like even I, I think that's like the most. I mean, a role as Chapman, I guess too. But like, think about who who else who else is like Brad Hand, right? He was great. Now he's average, right? And look what the yeah, Indians had to give up for him. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know. If someone gives me Francisco Mejia for for uh, Alex Colomay, like, are you kidding me? Like, you wouldn't take that? Like that at the time, I would, but Mejia has looked like shit so far. Which I know but I mean, if someone's, if someone's offering you a top prospect for that, you like, uh, I don't know, salivating. That's that that that's a that's a tough call right there. I, I don't know. It's um, tough, but I, I think I think the contract. If Calame is on a one year deal, I'm not I'm not going to hesitate to make that move. But knowing that he's locked up for another year and that that window contention that we just talked about when you get you know Cease in here next year and you've got a full year of Kopech back next year. I think that you just you you take that and you go with it and say that next year is the first year that you're going to actually try and compete and you go all in on it I, because I, th- I I feel like you're still going to have to go acquire that guy or take your chances with some unknowns and we've seen how amazing it is just to have that bullpen piece that's available to shut some stuff down at the end of the at the ball game. No, yeah, it's huge. So I mean, yeah. looking at it broad spectrum, you're not going to want to. 
trade away an Alex Colomay because all you're going to get back is, like Clint said, like even at best a top prospect, which, you know, the Sox are starting to get. I mean, you can never build too much depth, but in terms of people that are primarily at their position, like Clint had said earlier, you got Timmy and Yoan locked up on the left side of that infield. You know, that whole left side of the field with Eloy, that's locked up for years to come. You know, you got Robert forcing the issue, trying to come up at center. You know, you got a couple maybe open spots throughout that infield, but you got Madrigal coming up soon, hopefully. You got who we had just drafted. Oh, fuck. You got Andrew Vaughn at first base coming up pretty soon. So, like, and you got the, like, a lot of stuff's already filled out in terms of top prospects. So, I am all on tone side in terms of keeping Colomay around. You know, and I mean, even if we can't deal him at this trade deadline, if we're in the same position next year, I'm sure we can still get value for him if we're try- if it's really that serious and we got to get rid of him. But I am all for keeping as much as you can, building as much chemistry as you can. Because I, I, I mean, I was talking about this with my girlfriend the other day. The Sox had an amazing team in 2016 for the most part. They had a lot of these guys that could have played well together, but they had no chemistry, so they didn't play well together. And it showed at the beginning of the season, you know, they played fucking really great, and then they just kind of fizzled out. So what I told her is, you know, you got a team of guys that, like, are decent, and you got some studs, but really they're playing very well together because of the chemistry that they've been able to build being on the same team for so long. So it doesn't happen overnight. And, you know, you don't want to get rid of guys that are integral pieces in terms of you winning, like an Alex Colomay. Or, I mean, even like Leary Garcia, I don't know what his contract looks like, but he is a great fourth outfielder. You know, if the Sox can go ahead and call up Robert and get Garcia in late, I mean, his defense has improved mightily. And I think that was more so the weak point in his game because he's always been kind of a slap hitter. So, you know, you, you make all these moves in terms of trying to make your team better, but at the same time, you don't want to be like like the Cubs getting rid of all your top prospects trying to get these major league ready guys. And then now, now you got guys like Eloy Jimenez shining. You got guys like Glaber Torres shining and other other ball clubs at the but, major I mean, league level. Let's, you don't want that. Let, let's, not, let's not get too carried away with the Glaber Torres situation because they did win a World Series. I will give I will give any team anybody on my team. It means we win a World Series. Um, obviously, there's no guarantee, but I don't fault the Cubs for doing that. The Jose Quintana, Cease and Eli thing that was stupid. You know that. I mean, think about where the Cubs would be right now if they had Cease and Eli. Oh my! Like, uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? That was dumb. The Gleyber Torres thing, although he, I mean, he's a fucking superstar. Um, that was they, they had to do that though to get her all to Chapman and. You know, that, that's, they went one for two. I'll, I'll say that. I, I don't like the Cubs. You know, I'm here in South Bend, and I'm doing Cubs things. But, like, I have to take the Cubs side in the Torres situation. Yeah, I mean, that's you have to go for – you know, if they don't make that trade, do they win the World Series? I mean, we, we can go and, and debate that We don't that know. We'll night. never know. You yeah, know? We, we can go and debate that all night. The Sox are good. If the Sox are in a position to win a World Series, I would hope that they would make the same deal. You know, like I, I would hope that they would have the the guts to go and and part with a, a top prospect in order to secure a World Series. Victory. Now we don't know if it's going to pay off, but you know, if the Cubs don't win that, it's probably looked at as a really really bad deal 
But nobody's going to care about that because they won their title. Flags fly forever. Our lives would be so much better if they didn't win. Yeah, well, we, I agree. <laughs> I agree with that. Yeah. I agree with that. But, I mean, yeah. So I don't, I don't know how we got we're talking about the Cubs. But anyways. Um, let's get into yeah, some I, I guess stuff. Bottom- yeah, was, yeah, that's on me. Yeah, so let's talk no, a lot fine. more. Let's, let's, let's talk a little more minor leagues while we have you, Clint, because that's kind of like sure. – we'll, we'll hear. We'll transition into the draft that just happened, just wrapped up today. Um, a couple days ago, we had kind of mentioned it before. The Sox drafted first baseman Andrew Vaughn out of Kale, um, one of the first first basemen's drafted in the top five picks over the last decade, I believe. Um, our guy Andrew Kinsler had said on ONTAP Sportsnet that he was the first first baseman picked in the top five picks since Eric Hosmer, who also produced a World Series for one of his teams, a homegrown talent. So let's talk. Let's hear a little yep. bit about what you have to think about the Sox drafting Andrew Vaughn because we know you weren't high on the Nick Magical pick last year when we had had you on. So wow. what do you think of how the Sox uh, kind of played played their cards in the first round of this year's MLB draft? What I wanted last year was Brady Singer, the kid from Florida. Um, I didn't Same. think, you know, I didn't think the Sox, man, it's just, uh, it's tough. The Magical thing is tough. Um I, I will say this. So Madrigal got um, promoted today, and I, you know, I sent out a simple tweet. This is this is ridiculous, by the way. This is the most incredible thing I've ever done in my entire life, promise. I just sent a simple tweet out, congrats to Nick Madrigal for being promoted to AA Birmingham, hashtag White Sox, and included a picture I took last year. My That was at, 7, or at 1030 this morning. My phone is still going off. This thing has 61 retweets and 787 likes. Like, I, I don't understand I don't know, like, what's going to happen when Luis Robert, like, does something. Like, it's incredible. I didn't realize, well, the Oklahoma State baseball pro or Oregon State baseball program retweeted, so it's like everybody in Oregon is, has liked this thing. But I didn't realize that this Madrigal thing was that big of a deal. And I, it is, because if Madrigal doesn't do at a bottom line of what Madrigal is supposed to do, we're in trouble, because that's that's another piece that we're going to have to worry about you know, then do we take Moncada back to second and hopefully Burger Pants, you know, like all these different scenarios. So as much as I was down on the magical pick last year, he's starting to play better. You know, the power was never something that was there, even though, you know, it, I, I, I don't know. I just don't want it to be Ray Durham because, you know, although Ray Durham was a fine player, as we all know, Ray Durham was also not taken fourth overall in the, in the major league baseball draft. So that, that's, that's just what I don't want. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know uh, enough about Madrigal for Andrew Vaughn guys. It was obviously, you know, all the, the pandering about Abby not going first was nonsense because clearly the, in my eyes, it was as, as sure of a pick as Zion is going to be in a couple of weeks for the NBA draft because you don't get a premier player like that. Like, that's like Joe Maurer. That's Buster Posey. Those are the guys that Adley Rushman can be. And then you go to Bobby Witt who, I mean, that's a guy that, I don't know if there's a skill set like that. I've not seen a skill set like that. You know, it's just not something, you know, it's like a Carlos Correa like type of thing. And so those two guys were locked for one and two. So then that led us to three. Andrew Vaughn was better last year than he was this year. A lot of that has to do with teams pitching around him, him being, you know, walking more and trying to put the ball in play, you know, things like that. But anyways, they have to hit on Andrew Vaughn. Um, and I think they're going to because, you know, even though he may not be the most athletic guy, or the tallest guy, or this or that, you know, maybe he's just a DH, but it doesn't matter because they have to hit on him because the Sox aren't going to have a top five pick next year. The the run of top five picks is over, and that's a good thing for everybody involved. So this is their last 
potential superstar that they can get, you know, dating back to what the, I mean, Zach Collins is what, 10th? Was he 10th? 9th? He was, we, <laughs> it's funny because I tried to tell you when he was picked last time and you were like, no, I'm pretty sure it was so-and-so and you were right 100%. I think it was 9th or maybe 8th. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, because I was like, I think he was the seventh pick or some shit. And you're like, oh, okay. And you just like rolled with it. And then I looked it up right as we stopped recording. And I was like, fuck, he was right. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I just remember it was top 10. but So that's what I'm getting at. They're not going to have another top 10 pick. Definitely not going to have another top five pick. So it's Andrew Vaughn. This is it. You know, from Collins and Berger and uh, Fulmer, you know, rest in peace. Um, and uh, Madrigal and... And I'm going to throw Luis Robert in there, too, because, I mean, he would have been a top-five pick. He would have been the number one overall pick. Well, yeah, but, you know, they're not going to have that high of a draft pick anymore. Um, so, anyways, they got a hit, and uh, I think they're going to. This kid, from everything I've seen and heard, is the real deal. Um, I was listening. So, I'm going to be talking with J.J. Cooper and Jim Callis over the weekend. Um, Jealous. You know, J.J. Cooper, Baseball America, and, and Jim Callis uh, of MLB Pipeline. And I'm going to get there takes i heard callus this morning um on the score saying that he believes the Sox won't even need to bring him up next year because he's thinking about their timetable he's trying to figure out why they would even bring up next year i i mean that's talking about vaughn yeah why not that's depressing yeah right why not he's the most because he's the most he's pro ready he thinks okay. they're not going to be ready to contend. So, even though they're technically ready, I don't know, technically ready to contend now, but they're not in last place or anything now. So, it, it, I don't know. It's interesting. Um, I don't know. That, but that's just what I, what he told or not told me, but what he said today. So, I'm going to ask him this weekend to kind of clarify that situation. So, but, um, one of the things I said on, on Sox on Tap was I could see him starting at A next year and then kind of being on the same trajectory as what we see with Luis Robert right here is A to start next year and then maybe some AAA action by the end of the year and then in in 2021. So my timeline for him is kind of kind of similar there. Would I like to yeah. see him? Would I like to see him by the end of this year? Yes, <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. Oh. You know, I, I, th- I think that uh, uh, they'll be a little con- more conservative with him. Yeah, I don't think he's coming up this year. <laughs> um, that would be cool and everything, but uh, I yeah, that would be. It would be the end of else. Yonder Alonso. Well, that'd be great, but you know, if Zach Collins comes up, that's the end of Yonder Alonso too, right? I mean, that's true. If he brings Zach. Zach and Sebi up, you know, one of them has to catch, and you've already got James McCann, so that's the end of Yonder, too. That's a much quicker end to Yonder Alonso. <laughs> Alright, so we're getting pretty close to wrapping it up here. Uh, we do want to get your thoughts on a couple other guys before we yeah. go off the rails and keep talking about Yonder Alonso. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> So, obviously, Luis Robert has been tearing up double-A, which most people say is, like, where you will get your most progression in the minor leagues because triple-A is essentially where players go to die. So, is there any way you see Luis Robert making it to the White Sox this year? Yeah. And if so, how? How, What's his trajectory going to look like, in your opinion? 
I think this is a guy that well, I mean I think he's ready right now, but um, we all do. Uh, yeah, well, he, he's definitely okay. He's definitely ready right now. Um, I think that I I don't know. He's got to get to AAA first. They're not gonna. He's didn't Juan Soto go from Double A to, to, to? He did. He did. Juan Soto's a notable one. I mean, Frank Thomas made the same type of jump back in the fucking. 90s. What about Acuna? But... No, Acuna played for the Stripers. He did. I think, didn't he? Yeah. No, he did. And Ozzy yeah. Albies, and they both played for... I'm trying to think of other guys. Obviously, Vlad Guerrero was in there. Um, I'm trying to think of other top prospects played. Um, the kid, Hura from the Brewers, he just got sent back down, but he was in AAA. So, I, it would be very, very... Well, I think I think Robert's going to be in AAA by the end of this month. So... I guess it just depends on what he does from there. You know, if he does what he's doing now in AAA, I think he's up in September. If okay. not, then I think it's out of spring training. Fair enough. And then uh, also another hot topic is Dylan Cease is nearing major league readiness. You know, he's been dominating the AAA level. Maybe not dominating, but he's been pitching a lot better than what the White Sox starting staff looks like right now. What are the odds that you see Dylan Cease up before – let's say July. Um, Keep in mind, I'm going to the game next Monday. <laughs> yeah. So I would say, okay. I talked to him last week and I don't want to say, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to divulge information that I shouldn't divulge. I will say that let, – okay, let's put it this way. If he is not up by the trade deadline, there's something wrong. That's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> I'm just, just going to leave it at that. Um, he's ready, <laughs> obviously. It's not hmm, – okay, I almost said something else. Okay. Uh, going into the season, it was much like the Kopech timetable, of course. But as the season has progressed – he is on a faster timetable than the Kopech situation. Um, I think that – I don't think that anything – I don't. it doesn't matter about what the current staff is doing. That's not going to dictate anything with Dylan Cease because if that was the case, he would have been up and Rodon got hurt. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else I'm going to say about that situation. I just know that when he is up and ready to go, it is like – He's every bit as good as Michael Kopech. I mean, it's a 1A and 1B with those guys. And it's just going to be, I don't know, it's just going to be awesome. <laughs> really all they're they're going to have two aces. And then if Giulio keeps doing what he's doing, like, it's just, I, I don't know. And every playoff series you have from that point forward is set if you got three lockdown starters. Well, we're going to have, you know, four complete games in a row again, right? <laughs> Not with Rick Renteria as a fucking manager, but okay. Before we let you go, Clint, I do want to get I do want to get your input on a, on a couple guys that are maybe a little bit off the radar. That you know, maybe not a lot of like Sox fans, shy Sox weekly fans may know of. And one that sticks out to me that I've been seeing a lot about is Ian Dawkins, who I believe plays for the Canapolis Intimidators. He might be on the dash. I'm not 100 percent on that. I think he plays for the Intimidators who has been playing very well, and I think he's yeah. only 21 years old. So are there any, like, I mean, obviously you brought up Bryce Bush a little bit earlier. 
are there any maybe under the radar prospects that you know our listeners or even Tony and I should kind of keep an eye out for? Uh, I think the Dawkins one you hit it on the head. I mean, you know, Johan Dominguez is the other all-star from Kannapolis, which is, you know, they, they had such a, a stacked infield with Sosa and um, although Sosa entered the top 30, I guess, in the MLB pipeline after Eloy. Was, Did he? Um, yeah. So um, it's, I want to say Curbelo, I want to say Sosa and, and those guys, Amado Nunez. And it, it's everybody at Kannapolis still. Um you know, Connor Pilkington, who's been amazing. You know, Jonathan Stever, those those two pitchers have been outstanding. Uh, those are names to keep an eye on. Um, who, who, am I, who am I thinking of? Uh, da, da, da. I, first of all, I hate Draymond Green. Like, that guy's an idiot. I just cannot stand him. <laughs> are you watching the, the game? Are you watching the finals yeah. right now? And the Rap- Raptors are up 14 right now with seven minutes to play. Oh, shit. But, they, I mean, they had to win this game with Durant out. Like, there's no way. If they lost this game, they might as well just kiss the finals goodbye. Anyways, um, who else? Uh, oh, Cade McClure. Cade's my guy. Um, and Cade's the guy that you would, everyone would, be, would have been talking about, same with Mike Rodolfo, if they would have gotten hurt last year. And obviously, Mike was hurt again, which absolutely sucks. But Cade is a guy that, um, that's, you know, everyone's, you know, Bernardo Flores, Jimmy Lambert is their dark horses for the rotation. Cade McClure is another guy that you got to keep an eye on. Um, you know, 19, 93, 94, <clears throat> 95, but he's 6'7", 6'8". So that release point is much further out in front than it is someone, you know, six foot on the mound. So even though <clears throat> it's at 94, 95, when he's releasing the ball that much closer to you, it's on you that much faster and the speed is, is faster. He's got a couple of other good pitches as well. Um, so Cade McClure. Another guy uh, who we all know, is Tyler Johnson and Tyler's been hurt, but, um, you know, I talked to him. I texted him. Um, I tweeted this out too. I texted him. I don't know what day, what is this day? Today's June, about to be June 6th. My birthday is in like three or four days. Losing track. You don't know when your birthday is? It's June 9th. I don't know what today is. I think here's the real question to test. Hey, is Bruce Springsteen still alive? I'm, I'm, like 80% positive he is because I feel like if he died at this point, I would have got my shit blown up. Yeah, 80% sure on that question. How do you not know this? Like, I don't even... I'm yeah, one of I listen to hip-hop. Um, Alright, anyways, back to Tyler Johnson. I texted him. If today's Wednesday, maybe it was Monday or Friday. It was during the week because it was during work. But anyways, and he's throwing off the mound now. And he knows when he's going to be pitching games, but he couldn't. He didn't know if he could release it yet. But he did tell me it was just around the corner. So Tyler Johnson, when he comes back, that's another guy who's going to end up in Charlotte this year. And I think he's on this team out of the bullpen next year, starting out of spring training. So there's there's a couple guys that it gave you. Um, something I'd like I'd like to see more out of Steel Walker. You know, this kid is he, he's in Winston now. You know, Jake Berger's coming back here very very soon. Um, I assume he'll start in Winston. I think Andrew Vaughn will go to you know the the Arizona League for a little while, and then I I wouldn't be surprised if they put him right into Winston. <laughs> Can you imagine having Berger at third and Vaughn at uh, at first? That's a three fourth lineup. Yeah, those those guys against high A pitching. Oh, if they're as good as they're supposed to be, they won't be in Winston very long. So um, those are just some names to keep an eye on. 
And uh, I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I've missed. Um, shoot. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't think so. I think that's about it. I, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, that might be. You know, I mean, obviously Danny Mendick, guys like that. But I will tell you what I don't want. And I've seen this on Twitter a lot. People clamoring for Paulo Orlando and Alcides Escobar and some of Ross Detweiler and other guys that are. Oh, God. Like, just what, shut up. What Twitter sphere are you on? <laughs> I don't see any of that, and I'm thankful for are it. Are you serious? Dude, I, I just mentioned this before Clint came no, on no about the Alcides Escobar stuff. Fucking Ross Detweiler talk. Like, oh my God, who are those people? People that think that the rotation is that bad. So, you know, they're like, oh, we've got this ready. Let's do this. So it's just like, no, let's not do that. Um, another thing I another thing I want to tell you about today. So, you know, Gavin Sheets has been heating it up, you know, and he's been, he's been hitting the ball like crazy lately. And I tweeted something out today, you know, people giving up on Gavin, you know, shame on them. I had so many people tweeted back to me like, oh, who gave up on Gavin Sheets? Like, are you kidding me? 95% of people that know what's going on in the Sox minor league system last year gave up on Gavin Sheets because he didn't hit home runs. And they were just like, and it was just like befuddling to me as to how people were like, oh, I don't know about people. Okay. Like, we, we, I think Twitter. we all gave up on him. Like, like I'm not going to sit here and say that, that we Gavin defended Sheets. Gavin I'm Sheets. Not gonna lie, I haven't heard the name in like, yeah, a couple months. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, I don't know. People are just, these are the same people that say the rebuild sucks and you know, like it's just all sorts of wild, wild people. So, um, I don't know if there's anyone else. Uh, I don't think so guys. I think that's just about it. I will say that, um, before I go, I, I've seen, you know, I've been doing, you know, taking pictures at South Bend Cubs games for a couple of days and they're playing the uh, Rays affiliate. So South Bend Cubs is the same level as Kannapolis. Um, so it's, it's low A, you know, young kids. Um, and tonight, Shane McClanahan pitched for the uh, Hot Rods. And I was telling you guys this, lefty from South Florida, well, their first round pick last year, throwing 98-99 from the left-hand side. It's unbelievable to watch. And then they also have Wander Franco. Franco. And this kid's 18 years old. And if you don't know who he is, you know, look him up and stuff. But I, I wish the Sox had a Wander Franco or Franco because – Man, like this kid is—I've never seen an 18-year-old as good as this kid. Like he's a what? A shortstop? He's a shortstop, yeah. And we got one of those. Timmy's too nice. Okay, that's not. Timmy's not 18 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so a couple guys, and I know here's something. You know, you're talking about Alex Coleman. Although the Cubs did get uh, Craig Kimbrell today, there's like. Which yeah, brings fuck me that. So we much haven't even joy. talked about yeah. that. God damn it. Don't mention it. It brings, me, it brings me so much joy to say this, but the Cubs don't have a lot of depth at the low level here. Um, they've got a couple good players, but it's so nice that like that they don't have a ton of depth, which is I hope that I hope their window and that door slams shut on them what is it, twenty twenty one when they have to pay everyone? I think it is. Mm-hmm. I mean Brian's about got, to walk next year, I'm pretty sure. I, might, I thought he's under. No, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought he not not like I'm pretty sure he has this year, and then the next season, I'm pretty sure he's a keynote free agent for the 2020 class. But he might be a 2021 guy. I don't know. Hard to say, but anyways, let's just hope the door slams shut. 
and uh, yeah, so that's all. Yeah, no. That's all I've got. All right. Well, honestly, we appreciate you for taking time out of your night for coming on Shy Sox Weekly for your 85th time. No, I'm just kidding. For we'll keep track of it eventually, but we appreciate you so much for coming on, Clint. Thank you so much for talking you know, Sox minor leagues and, and the draft yeah. and whatnot. It's always fun to uh, talk White Sox with you guys, and hopefully, you know, when we talk, what is this? When we decide this was June 5th, you know, when we talk at the end of June and you know, Fourth of July when Dylan ceases up, or maybe he's not up. I don't know. Um, you know, and they're right where they are, and we had the same discussion of literally want to trade Alex Selman. It's going to be fun. So it's just nice that the Sox are relevant again. They haven't been relevant for a few years. I mean, they've literally been the worst team ever in the last few years. So it's just it's just fun to to have a majority of the Sox game be fun and entertaining this year, and not losing 100 games like it's been. Seems like the last decade, but so anytime you guys want me on, just let me know. I'll be on. All right. Awesome, Clint. You have a good rest of your night, man. Thank you. Awesome, right, Clint, dude. We, we totally appreciate it, man. You have a good one. All right, later, guys. Later. Arenado just fucking flew out to the infield, dude. They had it to eight to eight to fucking three. They brought it all the way back to eight to seven, and then they gave up a pointless ass run last inning. So now it's nine to eight with one out and a runner on first in the top of the ninth. This game is insane. And that's called Shy Sox Shonda still watching the Cubs game because we're still oh, alive. Oh, you're still alive. Yeah, no, my parlay is about to fucking shit the bed because Nolan Arenado doesn't know how to fucking get his hands inside on an inside fastball. All right, c- carrying on. Thank you so much to Clinton Cole <laughs> for coming on Shy Sox Weekly. Tony had texted me. He said, Shy Sox Weekly off the rails tonight, question mark, because we don't have Johnny Nani. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but since we picked up Nani, our show has been a lot more organized. We can thank Nani for that because we can, you know, you know, old fashioned Shy Sox Weekly style. We just kind of just went with the punches today. We had no format for our episode, nothing. We had tried to cut it off at 45 minutes. Tony said we were at an hour, like 20, 30 minutes ago. So we're, we're probably sitting pretty at like an hour and a half at this point. I've lost. Well, I've but, lost track. Me and the cowboy hat. We're still rolling. We still got another Budweiser <laughs> to drink. It's. I mean, it's a good. I night. actually ran out of beer, to be honest, which I'm depressed about. But we don't have to talk about it. It's a good night. Um, to to just touch on one little thing because I I did look it up. Uh, Chris Bryant has our beers in 20 and 2021. Um, okay. So he'll be he'll be hitting that free agency, I believe, if I read this right, 2022. Yeah. 21 so 20 yeah 2022 well whatever regardless the cubs are starting to die and we're seeing it firsthand you know the the brewers are are a force to be reckoned with so i don't know i don't really care about the cubs i don't want to talk about the cubs i just hope that the cubs lose tonight so i don't lose more money so that's what big better guys hope and that's that's good uh, I echo your uh, statement there on Johnny Nani. He has been a godsend to this show. Uh, this is the first show yeah. we've done without him in, in quite a while. Um, quite a while. He was missed. He was missed, but it was still a good time. It was still a fun time. Uh, we had Clinton Cole, our uh, most reoccurring guest, I guess you want to call him. Um, I had a cowboy hat. You had America shorts. It was America night on Chi Sox Weekly. Uh, we love America. Uh heading into 4th of July season. My favorite time of year, the summer. Um, 
what else we got tonight? I don't. I, th- I think that's close. Yeah. To it. No. So we're, yeah. No, we're pretty close to done. Uh, looking forward, the White Sox do have a three-game stretch uh, away in Kansas City. You know how much we hate them. So hopefully, we can pull a couple games against the Royals, and then we come back home for a decent little homestand. We play two against the Nationals. I'm looking at like the calendar on my wall, and I'm pretty sure a four-game stretch against the Yankees over Father's Day weekend. So. I mean, those are very winnable opponents up until we get to the Yankees series. That'll that'll maybe be a little tough. So, you know, here's to hopefully the White Sox eventually getting to or above 500. Here's to my birthday coming up this weekend. You know, Jordan year, gotta gotta toot my own horn real quick. Um, gotta flex your birthday when it's coming up. Father's Day weekend right around the corner. So, you know, the Sox have a very winnable stretch. Here's to hoping that they can get above the uh, 500 hump or at least to 500 because it seems like we haven't been able to touch that in a while. So other than that, until next time, uh, let's go White Sox. Let's go White Sox.